for the, the four or five years leading up to the, uh, to the pandemic, I had gone just about every year to the Dominican Republic. I know that sounds great right about now with all this five days in a row of snow that we've been getting, but I went to the Dominican Republic with a group of teenagers. Okay, it's getting less interesting right now for you all, isn't it? But, no, but I went with a group of teenagers from Loyola High School on what, would, you know, what some would call uh, a mission trip or a service trip, but what the school called an experience trip. It was actually organized by one of your parishioners here, Brian, over there, and he, was, uh, and, and he helped us organize one at our youth group at St. Ignatius Parish as well back in 2016, I think it was. But the reason I said to Brian, they said, oh, you're doing a service trip. No, Father, it's an experience trip. I said, what's the difference? Well, you have to experience it. Yeah, okay, Brian. And it, so, but what I, what I, you know, a service trip is oftentimes when, you know, help, you go there and you help to build a home or a school or something that improves the community of these, these people in, who live in relative poverty. And a mission trip does that too, but they'll also try and talk about the gospel in some way to the people who are there. And this was an experience trip because the kids and I, you know, we did do some, some service work, but the point was to experience the culture and the lives of ordinary people in a poor country. So we stayed with families and lived the way they live. We ate the same way, the same food, and now we weren't staying in, in shanty towns or, or the, the worst slums. We did get to, to see and experience those places. But we stayed with working class and middle class families. And the most consistent thing I heard from the kids and the parents who accompanied them was how happy the people were there how much of a sense of community there was, how they relied on each other and watched out for each other. You know, the Canadian kids remarked how happy the Dominican kids seemed despite not having the latest version of Fortnite or whatever the latest video game is. They didn't have video game systems at all, and yet they were still happy. This boggled the mind of, of some of our Canadian kids, teenagers who were there. And we saw we saw kids, you know, I remember seeing kids who were having a blast playing with a kite made of plastic bag, like a discarded plastic bag, and some discarded straws. You know, the, you don't need paper straws over there to recent to, to the bio, biodegradable. They reuse all the straws, they'd make kites out of it and have these kite fights out there. It was great. And adults, the adults remarked on the joy and the welcome and the faith of the people we encountered, despite the material poverty. There was a richness to the lives of the people that made all of us, all of us, question things in our own lives. What's truly important to me? You know, what is, what is lacking in my life? Because it isn't more stuff or more possessions. And why do I let anxieties and fears about the future get the best of me too often? Why aren't I happier or more fulfilled? Well, I think that Jesus is pointing, is pointing us towards the answers today. 
Today we have Jesus who's beginning this Sermon on the Mount, it's called, his most famous teaching. And he starts that, that teaching off with what we have come to call the Beatitudes, a list of attitudes, if you will, that seems counterintuitive to us today. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And it, and it seems weird to us today, but and don't worry. It seemed just as weird and counterintuitive to the people who were standing there listening to Jesus 2,000 years ago as it does to us today. Blessed are the poor. The poor in spirit, Matthew says. But in Luke's version of this teaching, he, from, the, from Jesus, he quotes Jesus as saying, even more radically, blessed are the poor, point final, woe to the rich. I think everyone, everyone who went on those experience trips with me will agree that, well, on the surface, it's nuts. There's something there. There's something to what Jesus is saying. And of course, the people who live in the real slums, the people around the world who, who are living in, in refugee camps or the, the, the bates, they're called, the shanty towns that are built for these, the, these workers who, who are, work out in the, these harsh conditions in the sugarcane plantations. The, no one... No one says that, those, that that existence is a blessed existence. The extreme poverty where you don't know what, where your next meal is coming for is, is brutal and it's brutish. And I don't, I, in fact, I know Jesus isn't referring to that kind of poverty, that extreme poverty. People need a certain amount of material things to live with dignity. And after all, God gave us that dignity when he created us in his image and likeness. And so all of us deserve to be able to live with that dignity. And Jesus wouldn't deny a person's need to have meaningful work, a living wage where they can provide for themselves and their families. But Matthew today, Matthew today, he gives us some insight into what we are make, to make of what Jesus meant when he said, blessed are the poor. Matthew says, quotes Jesus as saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is really about placing our trust in God first, about relying on him first and foremost. In fact, I think that all of these beatitudes are really at their heart about relying on God more than on worldly things. Poor in spirit refers to someone who relies on God more than money. And this to me, you know, this to me is this, we have this idea that we're, we're fed about being self-reliant, that we should earn everything we have, or worse, worse still, that we deserve everything we have. Those are incredibly destructive notions, I believe, because they tend to shut us out, first of all, from God, but secondly, from other people. 
And even in human terms, I think it, it leads, that, that sort of attitude leads to not caring too much about where our money comes from or how we got it or what we'll do to, to save a buck here or there. When I was growing up, it was always drummed into me by my parents that, that money doesn't grow on trees. I guess that's especially true now that money's made of plastic. But anyway, the, uh, the, when I was nine years old, I got a job. I got a Gazette delivery route. I've never not had a job since. Well, except when I went, to, I, I entered the seminary. I guess when I entered the seminary when I was 32, that was the, the I went, I, from nine years old until then, I always had a job. And, and so my parents, I think, they, they instilled in me a work ethic, which I believe is a good thing. But the shadow side of that work ethic is this idea that, crept, that keep, kept creeping in, especially when I was a teenager in my late teens, that I earned everything myself. I didn't have an allowance, so if I went to see a movie with friends, I paid for it with my money. That's my money. I earned it. I got that. As if, you know, my parents didn't pay for all the rest of the things in my life, my clothing, my food, my shelter, my whatever else it was that I needed, they, they supplied, you know, but I wouldn't have been able to go see a movie if it wasn't for that sort of stuff, but I think, no, I deserved it. I earned that money. And I, and I always felt that I could rely on my hard work, my ingenuity, my intelligence to get everything I needed because I could earn it. In fact, I did earn it. It didn't take too long on that experience trip to the Dominican to disabuse me of that idea. Those people we spoke with who, who work in the sugarcane fields, they worked harder in harsher conditions than I had ever imagined. The families I stayed with there were, were no less intelligent than anyone here. They were no less industrious, no less hardworking. It was simply an accident of birth that I had access to education and more opportunities than they did. They grew up having to rely on other people every now and again for material help. They needed each other to get by at times. And I think that helps them to see that it isn't all about them. You know, a woman who I stayed with a couple of times when I was there, she told me once that, that she didn't get to go to school. Her parents couldn't afford it. And I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about high school. She couldn't, they, you had to pay for high school back when she was young, and she, her parents couldn't afford it. Her husband had been a mechanic. He'd, he'd passed away a few years earlier, and she made ends meet by she, making empanadas that she sold out of her house in the morning. So I ate well. We had lots of empanadas. That was great. But the, the thing that I, that I remember is that she had two kids living with her. I found out 
you know, find out that one had been a boy who grew up in the street, but his mother died. His father was, I don't know, I, I couldn't, I, in my broken Spanish, I'm trying to figure out if, it was, if he was addicted to, to drugs or alcohol, but he wasn't around. And so this boy was basically an orphan. She took him in and she was raising him. And she also had a girl there who was her grandniece that she was raising. And she was making sure that they went to school. She was an incredibly faithful, spiritual woman who prayed daily with me, who thanked God for everything she had and never thought that money was anything but a means to help others grow and flourish. I was so in awe of this woman, of her rich faith and her trust in God, of her ability to praise God at a moment's notice for anything, anything that came along. I was a priest and I was so humbled in her presence. I felt I had so much to learn about being a Christian from this woman. First and foremost, how to put my trust in God. And the thing I realized from, from spending time with her was that it starts with gratitude. It starts with gratitude, thanking God for everything, for my health, my family, my parish, my life, and thanking God for my wealth. And I say wealth even though by most Western standards, I am anything but. You know, I don't earn very much money. I spent all that Gazette delivery money on Dissolute living, I think, is the, the biblical term for it. But anyway, so I blew all that cash. You know, I don't, I, I don't have much money, and I don't have my own home. I don't have any much savings to speak of. You know, the, the person who does my taxes say, says that apparently there's no way I'm going to be retiring anytime. I'm not going to be retiring early. I give away too much of my money I do have. That's okay, because I don't actually want to retire. I love what I do. Why would I want to retire from this? This is, this is the, what gives me so much joy. And, I, and that's part of how come I have so much wealth? I have friends who I love and who love me. I have work that is incredibly fulfilling. I have a God who loves me, even though I don't even love myself that much. I have a roof over my head, and I have a guy that shovels the snow. That I really, really like. There's a guy who shovels the snow these days. My life is so rich and full, despite not much material wealth, at least not by, by Western standards. And whenever I start to get down or disgruntled or anxious or worried about the future, I go back to that gratitude. I double down on it, in fact. Poor in spirit begins with gratitude. And it ends with richness and fullness of life. Jesus says that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not that they're going to get into heaven. That's not what he's saying. He says they, it's theirs now. The joy, the peace, the comfort in knowing that God is there for you, that, that he has blessed you so much. That isn't something to dream of in the future. That can be ours right now. It isn't complicated. It doesn't mean it's always easy. It takes work. 
but can be yours now. The kingdom of heaven can be yours today. It starts with giving thanks. Thanks to God, giving thanks for the people in your life, thanking them directly. And it's amazing how quickly, when you start with gratitude, how blessed and rich your, your life actually is. It's amazing how quickly that kingdom can be yours.